Welcome to the Coaching York podcast. To find out more about our offers and services, and to make suggestions for subjects that you'd like us to cover, go to coachingyork.co.uk. That's coachingyork.co.uk. Hello and welcome to the Coaching York podcast with me, Fiona Smith. And with me, Jeff Ashton. And Fiona, what's on the agenda today? So um, in our last pod, we were thinking about what makes relationships easy and what makes other relationships more challenging. And um, we thought about the different roles that people can can take in relationships and, and how that can affect how the relationships develop. And we talked about some of the models about how we can maybe use insights from those models to try and change those relationships and how that can actually, that level of understanding and working through them can really help in, in, in changing the way those relationships work for all parties in it. Yeah, so that sounds like a good thing to do today would be to think about some of the factors that cause tension or even conflict to arise in relationships. Because in the end, as coaches, we just want the world to be a happier place. So there is something that comes to mind here. There's a, a fellow called Gary Furlong who wrote the Conflict Resolution Toolbox, and there'll be a link to that in the show notes. And he identified six factors that contribute to conflict. Looking at the first one of those factors, um, it's around relationships. And what that explores is uh, aspects around people's personalities, their their natural and preferred working styles, uh, what their style of communication is. And as I said before, we've, we've covered quite a bit of this on, on our podcast around working styles and how to make relationships less challenging. But all, all around that aspect of relationship is such a core part of how we do have um effective conversations and how we do work effectively in in different parts of life really another one of the um factors in 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 gary toolbox is around values thinking about what people find important what's what's really deeply at the heart of someone in terms of what's what's acceptable what's a boundary that you can't cross with them uh, what's fair what's appropriate and this is something that we that we will come back to and we will explore a lot more it's, it's a it's a big area it's a, I think it's a fascinating area when you think about how it drives behaviors with people another really interesting one is around data you know the the facts and figures which so often you, you sort of look at it you think well they're, they're pretty black and white aren't they they're there that there's something that's really clear everyone can understand it but actually, in terms of agreeing on data and, and understanding data and having the same interpretation, then very often people can think they're talking about the same thing when, when actually they're not. It's one of those ones which I think can really catch people out. And I, I can certainly think of um, times in my, my career in finance where I was working with a lot of data. There are a number of examples I can think of where there was conflict, there was challenge because people's different perspectives on that data. I don't know if you, in, in your role, Jeff, I don't know if you found similar things with that. Yeah, I certainly did. Uh, and particularly in working in, in the government department, where sometimes the way data was interpreted uh, would, would differ depending on who was working on it. So you'd, you'd have people work at a very high level who were just interested in sort of very global figures. And there are other people who say, because we're working with public money, we have to account for it down to the last penny. I remember one project I was working on where um, one thing that helped with this is we're doing some work with the finance industry. 
and we were talking about how we we're going to cost out a particular project. We're working with insurers and they basically said, well, we just work on orders of magnitude. We, we triage this stuff. We just take account of the fact we are going to lose some money, that that's going to happen. And so we'll focus on the areas where there's the biggest risk of losing the most money. But chasing down stuff for the last penny just isn't worth it. And so this discussion about how you value data and how you interpret it and what you feel you need to do with it was an area that, that created some conflict and discussion. You have to say I can really resonate with the one around um, depending on where you sit, how you look at scale, because uh, there's one example I can really think of where I can actually someone got really upset around I'd made a comment about something with numbers was rounding because the context I was looking at it was in many millions um, this person was working on the project where the, the, the detail that they were working on was a much smaller part of that. And everything in that project needed to be right. And there was there was a slight discrepancy on something. And I had made a comment about, well, I'm not too worried about that because it's rounding. But they then interpreted that as, um, well, actually, my work doesn't matter, does it? Because if I'm spending all my time on sorting this out, if it's only rounding, then why, then why should I bother? Um, and, and, and both are kind of relevant, but just it's just for like different contexts, and then we needed quite a long conversation to um, to resolve that. <laughs> yeah, and it speaks to what you were saying earlier about how how these factors overlap and interrelate because they're not not just all independent. So, so there was an issue with data, but there was also an issue there with values. What what your you know what your colleague was would consider valuable, and how they felt their work was being valued. All right, and th another one that Gary Gary mentions is something that he describes as structure. So this can be something as simple as the physical environment in which people are meeting. Have you ever been in a meeting and it was too hot, too cold, too noisy? These are all different ways of irritating people, which can be a barrier to productive conversation. And of course, another structural factor is, is time. It's always good, for example, at the start of a meeting to check when people in the room need to leave. And I've, I've had this situation where I thought I had an hour and a half with someone and they thought they were going in an hour. That, that thing isn't there where you're in a meeting, there's a number of agenda items and you're waiting for your agenda item to come up and the others are overrunning. And you find yourself feeling more and more frustrated and irritated because you think, am I actually going to have time to cover this or enough time to cover what I want to do? So these are all kind of structural things that uh, that, that happened um, where you can, yeah, you can just find yourself getting more and more irritated because time's running out. Does that one ring any bells with you? <laughs> yeah, it certainly does, actually, because um, time awareness is a is, is a challenge for me personally keeping to time is something that, that I really really have to put a lot of energy in to to make sure that I, I, I stick to a structured time on things when I work with people who are, are different to that then it's about the the impact of how those different uh, natural styles play out and, and can cause challenges because for me for me to go over runs it, it kind of makes unless I've actually got to be somewhere else and even then I might still let a meeting overrun um and it, it, it my focus is, is is in a different place so what I found is that I have had to be really really conscious about putting a lot of energy into managing that structure so as not to upset other people or, or, or disrupt other people against so what you know is sort of like well if we say you know the meeting's going to start at nine I'm actually going to be there and I can remember once having feedback from my team saying well, it feels like you're not really bothered about our team meetings because you always turn up for them late. And I was, 
like, oh yeah, no, but it was because I was there, whatever. And 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 it was really, really interesting feedback for me to get the, the way they'd interpreted my behavior when my intent was not in any way. I absolutely loved my team meetings, but I tend to be coming into them from something else that had overrun. And I should think, oh, it's only 10 minutes or whatever, and they'll they'll chat to each other kind of thing. Um, so actually having that feedback from them was really helpful to me to because it, I was completely blind to it. So let me just give you the last one that um, Gary Furlong mentions. What I wanted to think about here was factors that contribute to conflict that aren't even in the room with the people concerned. Gary Furlong calls this externals, and he, I want to tie this to something else which he calls interests. So interests are what people might gain or lose. So where there's a possibility in a uh, in a discussion or a conflict or disagreement situation, there are potential winners and losers. And what you might win or lose could be um, could be significant or not significant. Uh, but how important is that to the people involved? And particularly when you tie that to to interests of other other people who are influencing your discussion, but who aren't actually in the room themselves, managing that uh, can be really quite fascinating. So Fiona, I've got a challenge for you if you're if you're up for it. Uh, I'd like to give you an example of this is based on something that I was involved with. It's not precisely what happened, but it's uh, it, it's it's real life. Did involve people I can remember in a, in a scenario I can imagine, even though I've slightly crafted it into something different. And I'd like you to help me uh, to coach me to prepare to have a meeting with somebody else. So here's the scenario. I'm a project leader. I'm part of a project which has six work streams and I'm running one of them. I report to a project manager. The project manager reports to the project board. And I've been invited to a meeting with my project manager. This is um, not one I was expecting. And I've got wind of the fact that my project manager thinks that my work stream isn't progressing fast enough. And he's, he's going to basically say, I want to shut your work stream down. It's not going quick enough. Well, on one level, I'm quite relaxed about this because I've got data to show that our project is just about to ramp up some activity. Uh, our work schedule will accelerate and we'll hit the finish line at the same time as, as the other five work streams. So I'm, so I'm OK with that. I think I'm going to be all right on that. But as ever, there's a complication and the complication is something beyond the, the people who will be in this conversation, me and my, my line manager. One of the board members doesn't like our work stream, didn't want it on the project in the first place, and will find any excuse he can to try and see it closed down. So there's my project manager is essentially being put under pressure by a board member who's got his own agenda and, and his own interests. So I'm not worried particularly about conflict with a project manager, or maybe I should be, but that's that's kind of where I'm starting from. Um, but I know that what will emerge from the conversation is that there is a, something wider going on that is affecting both of us. An external, to use Gary Furlong's words. So the coaching conversation I'd like to have with you, Fiona, is how do I get ready for this conversation with my, with my line manager, my project manager, given that context? So if we go back to Gary Furlong's toolbox, and we think about the, the factors of the toolbox, so relationships, so your relationship with your project manager, um, values, where you're coming from, where he's coming from, data around the project, structure, so, you know, who's managing what and who's reporting to whom and what are the, what are the elements of structure, um, timings, any other of those external factors and the external interests of where people are positioning themselves. If you kind of 
hold that framework in your your mind what are your thoughts about how to start that conversation start it in the most open way um to to achieve what you want to from it my starting point would be i've not been told officially why this meeting is happening and it's not one of our scheduled meetings and so i'm going to play i will start off by playing dumb or i've got i've got wind about something that's going on but i might have you know, is that rumor? How factual is that? How accurate is it? So I don't want to make assumptions. Mm -hmm. I, I think it. I, I think I'm making a reasonable assumption about what the guy's coming in to talk to me about because I've had that from a reliable source. But I, I will, you know, I'll start as openly as I always do. Is you know, nice to meet you. And um, so, what, 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 what are we doing here today? It, it's, it's interesting that that you ask that because it's making me think. I just need to be careful not to prejudice the conversation before i've started and to give my project manager the opportunity to explain what he thinks is going on and what he wants to talk to me about um there is a there's a bit of a subtext to the relationship if you heard have you ever heard of seagull managers yes so to put it politely the seagull manager you never see them for a while because they're flying around and then they will reappear briefly um leave something behind and then fly off my project manager has been described in those terms so it, he will tend not to take a great deal of interest in what you're doing unless he's panicking about something i don't find it desperately supportive so i'm gonna to have to be a bit i'm gonna to have to manage my own sort of emotion about that in terms of if you had some worries about this why didn't you talk to me about it previously because i think getting into that kind of conversation isn't going to be very helpful it's we have an issue now that we'll have to deal with and I think that's going to be more more productive than trying to sort of ex explore the history of how we got here in the first place. Okay. And just thinking about you, you, you talked about your emotions there. Going into that meeting, what what are your emotions? How are you feeling about it? What are you taking into the room with you? Well, I suppose I'm, I'm slightly ambivalent, you know, purely professional level. I'm thinking there's nothing here that's not resolvable. You know, if, if we're going to have a, a purely professional objective conversation about how my work stream's doing and how it's doing in relation to everybody else, then we should come to the end of that with, um, yes, we're all happy, let's let's carry on. Um, but in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, because there's probably something else going on here, which isn't necessarily driven by facts and figures, it might be more to do with with personalities, agendas and people's ambition, then I, I, that's that's an uncertainty. And there are some things, to be honest, there's some things there that are out of my control. I can't control what a board member may or may not want to do with the rest of the board. So I'm, I'm a little bit concerned about that. You know, as a, as a project, we've worked extremely hard to get the work done that we've done. Uh, we've had to manage a lot of pressure. We're, I think we've been a quite a good team in terms of supporting the other project streams. But there is something here which could mean that this work just ends up just not going anywhere and that that would be uh that'd be deeply dis disappointing frustrating thinking about that and maybe just you know as you as you as you've talked that out loud um as, and then as you start to think about it more what might be the things you can do prior to the meeting that you might think through about things consider different aspects um help you prepare so that you can manage your in emotions in the way that you most that's most productive for you the, the word that, that comes to mind when you said that about is what would make me as so the word is confidence what would make me as confident as possible about having a productive conversation there are two particular strengths that i bring to my work that's kind of why i've got got this job one one is i am on top of the detail uh, i'm quite good at explaining data in a way that's accessible and understandable for 
to, to people. Uh, the other thing I can draw upon is is my uh, are my relationships. So I could probably would have a word with some of my staff members. So it's, it's quite possible my pro and quite legitimate, as far as I'm concerned. Um, if the project manager wanted to talk to the the members of my team and said, "How do you think it's going?" Uh, and I want them to be able to look him in the eye and say, "We're confident that we're going to deliver because, and that they've got the same because that I've got, and so that he can get a consistent message." And and thinking about your relationship with your project manager, just uh, just interested in in terms of you know think about shared goals, shared aims, what work you've done, what conversations you've had up to now, where you, you've got um, clarity on that sh that shared element of, of of the goal that you're working towards and and where your alignment is. Well, on well on one level, it's straightforward enough because we've got project plan with some deadlines and a final date and some deliverables there, but there's another dimension this i'm just um i just wonder what you think about this so so the other the other side of it is, is his relationship with the board his relationships and how that's going to affect his career uh that, i mean that's not a project plan that's an intangible i mean what, what did, did do you think i should bring it up do you think i should talk to him about that what, what what's your instinct on that i i mean i'd be quite happy to because because there is an element of this which is which is personal. So he'll he'll be if, if he's getting some pressure from somebody else, then that's going to create some stress for him, presumably. I mean, if that's the case and he's happy to talk about it, I'd I'd like him to know that I understand that that's a pressure that he's under. Because it's quite possible that 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 could help us build an alliance against an external pressure. Because in the end, we both want this project to succeed. There's there's a common issue. We, it, which, so, it's, so it's either we could think there's a common enemy. I don't particularly like to use that word if if you're personalising it, but there's a common issue in that we're both being put under pressure by an external force. And thinking about your relationship with him, what are you, and as you've talked through that, what are your thoughts on how that type of conversation will shape your meeting? So I could probably see this going into two phases. So to, so to begin with, I would need to run through the factual stuff that you would expect any project manager to go through with with a team member and so i think being able to say to him in terms of the project delivery and the timeline this is what should make you as confident as i am about it i think that's the place to start that's a good foundation and then maybe to ask him so are you are you happy with that or are you still worried about it and mm -hmm. then if there's any kind of if there is any kind of residual concern from there and then to explore what's behind that which is obviously the stuff that's going on outside that's a, that's affecting what's going on yeah, there's, a, there's a question i want to ask and this really might not be relevant because you might say actually do you know what there's a given protocol and the guy's a project manager etc but i'm just listening to that the question i want to ask is you, you talked there about well, I start the meeting going through the data because that's the format we have and, and that, that builds confidence. Is starting with the data the best way? Do you do meetings always have to start like that? Is that what drives and motivates him and, and where he comes from, from a, his sort of personal style and things that he's interested in? It just makes you want to ask the, the question when I hear that, well, this is how we always do it. Because I'm, to be honest, I'm feeling a little bit vulnerable. I would prefer to start somewhere where I know there's some there's some common ground and some common interest uh -huh. there, there's an element of there's there is a high element of risk in this conversation the outcome of this could depend on whether or not I'm still working on this project in two weeks time and so I I'm so within myself I'm feeling I want to, to 
to minimise the risks around that. Okay. And with that risk and, and thinking about how that's sitting with you, what if you're not working on this project in two weeks' time? I'll be, I'll be working on something else. So, I, uh, so my, so my job, uh, my job security doesn't depend on this. Uh, my, to some extent, my reputation would. Mm -hmm. And I work for a big organisation. There are, there are some people who, who will say, well, if there's a problem here, it probably wasn't me. And there are other people who wouldn't, who would say, okay, this doesn't look good. You failed. You failed to deliver on this. Or, or even worse, you failed to deliver and it cost X thousand pounds, all this work that came to nothing. I would I, uh, get over it and go and do something else. But um, I don't particularly like the idea of having to have you know, got to the end of a piece of work and it hasn't been delivered. And, and that's then been put down to me and my leadership. Mm -hmm. Things not happening because other people make decisions or because circumstances change. Not annoying though that is, that's life that happens. But yeah, I would feel I would feel it'd be unjust. Some interesting stuff coming out there actually that you're talking about now around those some of the externals for you, touching on the values bit for you as well in terms of it would be unjust. Interesting to start to to dig into and explore a little bit more. Think back to at the start of the conversation, you were talking about well the project may or may not go ahead and if my work stream gets shut down it gets shut down and I, I think what I'm hearing now is that there's, there's more related to that and there are more factors in there th that matter for you there's different levels where this would affect me the, the ultimate level of is the world going to end um am I going to be out of a job no that's that, that's the foundational stuff I mean I, I took the job on because they were a good opportunity for career progression that would be you know in terms of, in career terms this would put me back if this if this um doesn't come off and it, and it does create some uncertainty because i yeah i don't i don't know how other potential managers who might recruit me to do other kinds of work would look upon that i mean there, there's other skills i've got that the organization values there's other kinds of work i could do but this could be the last you know if this if this goes belly up this could be the last time i ever get asked to do any project work so reflecting on all of that what are things you want to do to ensure the best success of that meeting Okay, I mean the, the practical stuff is to is to go in thoroughly prepared. You know, best best case scenario is I I go through the data and he says, oh that's fine, off you go, we're all happy. If then the conversation moves into is still unhappy and then we explore the external factors that are that are impinging upon him, I think there is potentially a conversation we could have around that. You know, there's this individual on the board doesn't like my doesn't like my work stream. There are other people on the board who are quite happy with it. So I could talk to him about his relationship with those other people. Who is he concerned about looking good to? Is it just the person who's raising some red flags for him? Or is it the board more generally? I mean, I'd be quite happy asking him about how, how he thinks he could manage that. And also whether I could help, I could help him manage that because I've got relationships with other board members. So the, the conversation there would be, is, is there a point in conversation where we could almost create an alliance? And how does that feel as a, you know, a, a scenario for you? Well, I'd, I'd, really, I'd really, really like to do that because I really like to get on with people. <laughs> uh, I like to have good working relationships. So if we can improve our working relationship as a result of this conversation, and sometimes having a common problem is a way of doing that. Yeah, I'd want to be able to do that if that was at all possible. So in that then, and thinking about how what, what you see as potential that could come out of this meeting, scenario we can think about, well, actually, what 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 might I choose to do to to, to shape the meeting to to achieve what I want to achieve from it? 
I th yeah, so I think it's, it's always worth going into a meeting, even if it's somebody else's meeting, with my own objectives. And so being clear what I'd want from it. And I'd be quite, you know, quite happy to say, well, there were, there were these things on my mind when you called this meeting. Can we talk about them? Um, one of the things that I then would like to talk about would be about the, the, the fact that he only ever kind of turns up and has a conversation when he's worried about something. And, and how would you like that to be? What, how would you like it to be different? A question that I've never, actually, I've never asked him this. So I, so I could ask him just on an ongoing basis, is you know, anything worrying you at the moment? As, as opposed to just focusing on here's our project plan, let's work through the lines. Yeah, that would feel a bit more relational and a bit less transactional. Okay, yeah, interesting. So there you go. The example for coaching conversation. From the point of view as a, as a coach working in a potential conflict situation, what was your kind of thought process as you were looking to help me work my way through that? What... For me, around that conversation, actually being able to use the model and make reference to different aspects and different dynamics of what impact on um, the success of a relationship is really useful because there's a degree to which there's a bit of shorthand. My sort of observation for that is just how coming in, it's a really useful way of talking through a model which someone can then learn about and have in their toolkit to be able to apply. But because you're working, using it to work through a real life situation, it's just so much more meaningful and almost like memorable I think as well rather than if you uh, were in a, a training environment and you were given a, a series of models you can use in these scenarios what about you I, I didn't have a coach when this scenario actually happened uh, so some of the things that you were asking about are things that I never asked myself when I had when I did have a similar similar conversation in previous working life thinking in a bit more detail about what I wanted from not just the conversation but the relationship and what emotions I was taking into it and how I'd manage those that was um, not something that at the time I'd had the chance to to think through and and just asking the question why do you have to do it this way and it, it did make me think about so what how much risk am I prepared to take okay right so I hadn't really thought about that either uh, so yes, so that uh, the, the, the it made me it made me realise actually this was actually quite significant and I needed to be to be good at geared up for it. So there we go. So yes, so Gary Furlong six um, six elements to conflict and how you might resolve them. Any final thoughts? If you if you're wanting to get into the values bit and and really think about what does this mean for me. You often need that bit of a push and, and to have a conversation with someone who's prepared to push you a little bit. I do think that just getting into that understanding really helps you know where you are and it might feel uncomfortable, but actually the clarity normally that you get from that can be, can be really empowering. Yeah, I agree. You can have all kinds of emotional reactions to things that are going on in a conversation and you don't know where they're coming from. Whereas with a with a pre-coaching conversation like that, Fiona, I've had the chance to think about. So these are the kinds of things that like to come up for me and how have I prepared myself to, to respond to those. I can hear the sound of the coaching your jingle going in the background. So that must be a sign that it's time for us to end. Um, so I will uh, say thank you for your time. Look forward to seeing you again. And uh, goodbye from me. And goodbye from me. Thank you.